Hello, and welcome to Channel 4's Unreported World podcasts, the series that gives you another chance to hear the critically acclaimed foreign affairs series offering an insight into the lives of people in some of the most neglected parts of the planet. In this episode, Shay Rhodes meets some of the remarkable people fighting back against leprosy in India. Hyderabad, which is one of India's fastest growing cities. It's busy, it's modern, and it's economically booming. But I'm about to see a different side of the city. I'm heading to the outskirts to a leprosy colony called Shantinagar. I'd come here to meet Narsapa. I'd heard the people in the colony look to him as a leader. He told me all the residents were forced to live here as they weren't accepted anywhere else. Even though they're no longer contagious, they were still persecuted. When the first houses were built here, people came and burnt them down. That's the kind of stigma we face. People see our deformities and are scared of us. Narsapa said the people here were outcasts and left to fend for themselves. He took me to the colony clinic, set up with the help of a charity after residents were regularly turned away from public hospitals. I found 70-year-old Dugaya having an ulcer on his leg cleaned. Dugaya said leprosy had caused him to lose sensation in his legs. He said he'd accidentally burnt himself and now infection from the wounds had spread across both feet. How often do you have to change the dressings? He told me the ulcers on his feet needed to be cleaned at least once a day to stop the infection spreading, but that's not always possible. He did do it yesterday, but before that he went more than two weeks without having it done because there just weren't enough supplies here in the clinic. The disease is prevalent all over the country. It leaves millions disabled. I've never seen anything like this before. There are flies all over the room and they're being attracted straight to this ulcer. Both feet are infected and the smell is incredible. Dugaya lives with his wife, Pichama. Narsapa said they'd been forced out of their homes almost 50 years ago. How did your family react when you first got the disease? Dugaya was 15 when he first found out he had leprosy and his family would make him sit outside of the house. When they fed him, they literally threw the food at him and he only put up with that for a year before he decided to move out. Pechama was married with a child when she was diagnosed. She said her husband kicked her out, so she went to stay with her parents. And even they wouldn't allow her to feed her baby. They said that her breast milk may infect the child. The neighbours were so afraid of her that when she had blisters on her knees, they didn't even want a fly that had touched the blister to come and touch them. 
After leaving their homes, they married and found sanctuary in Shantinagar. They say it's thanks to Narsapa they've now got a bus pass, a rice ration and a pension. Thousands of people affected by leprosy in Hyderabad have benefited from Narsapa's campaigning. Today, he's mobilised a group who say the government is not providing the basic medical supplies they're entitled to. I joined angry residents from the colony as they headed for the local health ministry office. Thus, the town's finally turned up. This was the first time I'd seen Narsapa and the others outside of the colony. It was clear some on the bus weren't comfortable with their presence. Such is the stigma, many are terrified of catching leprosy. As soon as we got on the bus, there was a reaction from everyone who was already on. All the affected people have gathered together and are sitting on the same seats, and everyone else is whispering to each other. They clearly don't want to be on a bus with these people. Leprosy is thought to be an airborne infection, but 95% of humans are immune. The disease attacks nerve endings, destroying the ability to feel pain and injury. This makes patients susceptible to ulcers and infections. Simple things like bandages, swabs and iodine are vital to the colony. When was the last time the clinic actually got any supplies? It lasted 2008 March. He said that since 2008, the situation had become increasingly desperate. He says that for the last two years, the clinic in his colony hasn't received regular supplies. Narsapa also told me his requests for help had been ignored. He's been here so many times, he's lost count, and the people who work here know his face. But whenever he speaks to them, they pass the buck. They say that without authorization from people higher up, there's nothing they can do. The local government official in charge of leprosy services agreed to meet him. Narsapa's just gone in for his meeting, but uh, Dr Jairam, who he's having the meeting with, has asked us not to film, so we're waiting outside. Apart from Narsapa, none of the people here were used to challenging the authorities. Narsapa's just had a ten-minute meeting with the doctor he doesn't seem to have got very far, and so now everyone's been asked to go into the office. There are now 20 leprosy-affected people in this man's office. They're threatening that they're going to come back every week if they don't get the equipment they need. Back at Shantinagar, Narsapa told me about his experience of being diagnosed and how it had driven him to help others. I got patches on my skin. You can still see them. My mum took me to a doctor who said it was leprosy. She started to act like I wasn't her son, grieving as if I were dead already. The neighbours shunned me. My dad took me to hospital and left me there. No one came to visit me. I was nine or ten years old. I lie awake at night thinking about how I was treated and how I can stop others from going through the same thing. 
That night, Narsapa took me to the funeral of his friend Gopal. He'd suffered from leprosy, but had died of old age. The funeral took place on a patch of waste ground next to a public cemetery. Can you tell me, why is this man being buried here? In the past, we couldn't bury our dead here. When we tried, there was trouble. It's another thing we've had to fight for. Many people consider leprosy to be a curse, a punishment for sins committed in a previous life. Even after death, they believe the disease is still contagious, so people like Gopal are buried in graves away from everyone else. It's really moving for me to see that this discrimination against leprosy-affected people carries on even after they're dead, and it's proof to me that this has nothing to do with people being afraid of catching the disease. This man's dead, but they still don't think he's worthy to share the same ground as their relatives. Every day, Narsapa gets calls from people asking for help. I followed him to the city to meet 36-year-old Datu. For many who've had leprosy, it's difficult to find work. Datu is one of tens of thousands who are forced to beg to survive. How long have you been begging for a living? Datu told me he'd been begging on the streets for 10 years. He said he makes less than a pound a day with which he has to feed his whole family. He sleeps on the streets here as well. There's a special area where leprosy-affected people can sleep without being troubled by the police. How do people treat you? He said that when he's out begging, people won't put money into his hands. He has to hold out a tin so they can throw the money at him. Food stalls refuse to serve him. And if he asks for a glass of water, he has to bring his own cup because they won't let him drink from theirs. After being diagnosed with leprosy, Datu was driven from his home. He had to leave everything behind, including land he'd inherited. Since then, someone else has taken it over. Nasapa has convinced him to meet a human rights lawyer who might be able to help with the case. Is this a common complaint? Shaquille told me that property disputes are one of the most common difficulties people affected by leprosy face. He said they often lack the confidence to stand up for themselves. He is absolutely certain that if Datu wasn't affected by leprosy, he would have pursued it a long time ago. Do you think you'll be taking up this case? Surely we'll be taking up this case. Nasafa, you got quite emotional during the meeting with the lawyer. What, what was it? He is the only one who has fought for our cause. He knows everything I've been through. Ten years old, Narsapa was abandoned by his family. 
he offered to take me back to the village he was born in. His parents are dead, but his brother still lives there. They've tried to stay in touch, but the last time they saw each other was three years ago. We've just arrived in the village and we're walking towards Nasapa's brother's house. He's gone unusually quiet. He introduced me to his brother, Chandrapa. Namaste. Do you remember when Nasapa left the village? Yes, he had spots all over his body. That's when father took him to the hospital. What did your parents say about him when he'd gone? Mum and dad felt bad because everyone was talking about us. That's why they had to send him away. They died with broken hearts. What's it like now when Nasapa comes back and you see how he is now and you hear about his life? What do you think of it all? It's God's grace. We're very happy he's doing well. God has given him good fortune. Has anybody else in the village had leprosy since? There's one girl. She stays away from the village. We heard she has the disease. After everything Narsapa had experienced, he wanted to meet the girl and see if she needed help. I want to talk about this in English so the others don't understand. Mm. She's affected by leprosy. Are you sure? Yes. How can you tell? Because the blisters are here. Everyone be quiet. Let her speak. Does it hurt? It hurts in my arms and my back and my legs. Has a doctor come to see you? This has just turned into a very sensitive situation. In English, Narsapa is telling me that he's 100% certain this girl has leprosy and he thinks it's quite an advanced case. She may even be contagious, but he can't say that. So he's telling everybody that she'll get treatment and she'll be absolutely fine. If he says anything other than that, she'll be cast out of the village. Mama, have you ever been given any drugs to treat your disease? She said her local health centre gave her a course of medicine. They said she'd have to go to the government hospital for more, but she hadn't been able to. Why didn't you? She says she doesn't have the money to go, and everyone in her house is either too ill or too old to accompany her. In 2005, based on targets set by the World Health Organization, the Indian government claimed it had eliminated leprosy. But there are still 130,000 new cases every year. Many say the real number could be a lot higher. Nasapa, how do you feel coming away from your village? I feel bad. If I wasn't affected by leprosy, I could have lived here with my family. I didn't have to spend my life away from them, living in a colony. What do you think needs to be done for leprosy to really be eradicated here? I want awareness spread across the country and the disease truly wiped out. Mm.
travelled 700 miles north of Hyderabad to the city of Allahabad, which is home to India's busiest leprosy hospital. We want to find out how they help patients recover from the most debilitating effects of the disease. Naini Hospital deals with 3,000 new cases of leprosy every year. They offer patients ulcer treatment, physiotherapy and reconstructive surgery. The staff introduced me to a patient, 15-year-old Pooja. Pooja, hi. I'm Shane. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. When did you first realise that you had leprosy? Pooja said she first realised something was wrong when she was washing up. There was a strange numb feeling in her fingers and then over the following weeks, chores became increasingly difficult. She'd try and sweep in, in the back garden and the broom would fly out of her hand. She'd try and cut grass and bushes and she'd drop the machete. Pooja said she told her parents straight away, but they thought she was just trying to get out of doing her chores. People in the village instantly started talking. She'd be walking long to go and collect water and she'd hear people saying that she was infected with evil spirits, that the disease would never go away, that even once she'd been treated, she was going to be a risk to all of them. The villagers said I had to leave. But mum and dad told them I wasn't going anywhere. Pooja was waiting to have an operation that would fix the deformity in her hand. Are you nervous? A little. Later that day, I followed Pooja to the operating theatre. The senior surgeon, Dr Primal Das, explained that leprosy has damaged the nerves in Pooja's hand, making the tendons tighten and giving her clawed fingers. In her case, she is not able to bring her fingers up straight, so we decided we would collect that. Dr. Das's father and grandfather worked in leprosy hospitals. He carries out 500 operations like this every year. So this is Pooja's third operation. Yeah, the, the first one was to correct the four fingers. Mm -hmm. The second one for the thumb. I don't do fingers and thumb at the same time. This is a really life-changing procedure, isn't it? I think the problem with leprosy is its deformity. And if we can reverse the deformity, most people in the villages will never know that she had leprosy. So exactly. that's the idea. Exactly. So a lot of it is not just functional, it has to be cosmetic as well. So yes, she would definitely make it easier for her to hold the pen and build her confidence in herself. So. This hospital runs very efficiently and they clearly do this a lot. As Pooja's operation's being finished, another patient's being brought in and the same happened just before her. It means they can get through a huge number of patients here every year. A contact gave me a recent unpublished government study of the number of new leprosy cases in India. This was the first time in six years health workers had carried out extensive surveys. The findings suggest the official figures don't show the true scale of leprosy. In one Indian state, health workers found the number of people infected was five times the official estimate. I asked Dr Das what he thought. 
We have no idea of what is the leprosy situation at the moment because for the past 10 years, no NGO has been uh, doing any active case detection. They did a few surveys in certain places and they found the number to be almost 15 times. I cannot say that yes, the overall figure would be 15 times the number. If it is, it would be catastrophic. How has meeting this eradication target affected the budgets of your hospital? Because they've said, okay, leprosy is no more a public health problem in India. We are struggling with budgets. It's very difficult to convince a donor that the funds are actually for leprosy because they don't even think leprosy is a problem. A quarter of a million people in the world are living with leprosy. It's easily treatable with simple drugs which are given free to everyone. Millions have been cured, but I'd learned they're often left disabled and marginalised through fear, stigma and rejection. It's two days after Pooja had the operation on her hand and she's being discharged today. We've arranged to follow her home. Although she was nervous about seeing the other villagers, Pooja was looking forward to seeing her family. We've just arrived at Pooja's village, and for the last five minutes, she hasn't stopped grinning. She's really excited. She's going to lead me to her house now. OK? As we're walking, Pooja's picking up the pace. The grin's just getting bigger and bigger. OK. Namaste. Pooja's mother was there to welcome her home. Yeah? For now, she seemed happy, but her future is far from certain. She says not much has changed since she's been away, but she feels different. She feels like she's got rid of the disease. Her hand is now better, and she's just so much more confident about everything. <laughs> if you want to find out more about leprosy in India or any of the other issues covered on Unreported World, visit our website at channel4.com slash unreportedworld. Thanks to Shay Rhodes. You've been listening to the Unreported World podcast. Don't forget that Unreported World is back on Friday night at 7.30 on Channel 4 and you can watch this week's episode now on 4OD. Just go to channel4.com slash unreportedworld. <laughs>